what we do here is go back, 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 back. Welcome to the Hustle Sold Separately. We are a weekly podcast dedicated to all of you amazing human beings out there, innovators, creators, entrepreneurs, hustlers, CEOs, producers, artists. Uh, look, people, you guys are all in and out. You're, you're outside the box thinkers. You're probably looked at as crazy at times. Why would you do your own path? Why would you go that route? Doesn't make any sense. You're honored here. You're loved here. I get you. My guests get you. None of us do anything conventional. <laughs> if we if it wouldn't even make sense if we if we tried right and so i just want to really thank each and every one of you guys for tuning in each week and uh for all my original listeners thank you guys so much for constantly being part of the journey for all my new listeners i'm grateful you're here allow me to introduce myself i'm matt goddessman i'm the founder of this podcast you can reach out to me at matt goddessman on instagram uh at hustle sold separately and then at hdf magazine on instagram if you want to get into the conversation at the creativity and the intersection of creativity and entrepreneurship. Uh, and you guys know I answer each and every single text, DM, reply, response, you name it, on the wall in the last six, seven years. And so it's like that. We build this community. There's hundreds of thousands of you guys. There's millions of downloads. I'm grateful. Thank you for, for being here. And you guys also know, uh, and for my new listeners, we don't glorify or glamorize end success. It's such an arbitrary word. Um, you know how I f feel about this. Um, it's not metrics. It's not titles. It's whatever the hell you want for you. All right. And I, I say that very passionately because success is really more of an inner vision for yourself. What do you want for yourself? And don't be so you know quick to allow society to dictate what that should be for you. Right. So that's why we don't talk about end results here and end success the way a lot of media does. We actually get to the heart of like the real stuff that, um, you know, a lot of the guests have also realized in their own path and what's worked for them and what continues to expand for them. So really appreciate you guys. And we're going to have another great show talking about adding more value in business, in your relationships, in your approach. When you are an underdog, how to be more effective and of course, constantly adapting to change. If this wasn't a year that you already realized that, <laughs> then I don't know what else to say, but now more than ever, you know, um, look, you have to have flexibility, right? Um, value comes from understanding your value, your worth, your growth, your mindset. What, what are your needs? What are your wants? What are you looking for? Negotiations, I believe are win-win a win-win-win in a lot of ways. Um, I know society sometimes teaches a win-lose. I don't agree with that. And, you know, maybe my guests will say the same or different. It doesn't matter either way. It's good perspective. But um, uh, we're living in a very interesting transformational time. So we're going to talk a lot about these things. And I've got Brandon Steiner. He's legendary, you know, author, CEO of Steiner Agency and the Collectible Exchange, inspirational speaker. Um, he's been a salesman for over 50 years and turning his paper route into a certifiable business to changing the face of memorabilia, sports memorabilia and others. Uh, he spent almost his entire life perfecting the ideas of customer service. That is not easy. I just want all of you to know, like to constantly be uh, having an effective relationship with the customer, the most important person and keep giving a better and better experience is everything. Um, he's got an unparalleled understanding of the service industry and now he's got his sights on educating the next generation of exceptional salespeople. Uh, he's the foremost authority on creating value in yourself as an employee, exceeding your customer's expectations by figuring out what else, which you know I preach a lot. So I saw this and I'm like, yes. <laughs> and then many other topics um, that'll really help you. It'll increase your sales uh, initiative. How are you uh, growing your business or as a leadership uh, of your team or you know, even in a as an employee of a company, right? Uh, he's written... Three books, Living on Purpose, stories about faith, fortune, and fitness that will lead you to an extraordinary life. You got to have balls, how a kid from Brooklyn started from scratch, bought Yankee Stadium, and created a sports empire. And the business playbook, Leadership Lessons from the World of Sports. So uh, he's got a few things to say based on some really amazing experience and wisdom. So it's, it's great to have him on. Brandon, thank you for being here today, man. I really appreciate it. 
No, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. And I've got to just jump in on a couple of things. I loved your introduction and, and love your platform. I think it's critical and we're, we all need a little bit of a boost and a shot in the arm. But I, I think there's two things I wanted. You mentioned something about success. And you mentioned something about value. And I, I think those words get thrown around really easily. And, you know, success, listen, success was, you know, me getting out of bed this morning, possibly. Yes. But you know, what I want to focus on is, uh, as far as success is concerned, is that it really doesn't matter where you're at. And that just simplifies everything. I mean, it, 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 all, only thing that matters is where you're at. It doesn't really matter. It only matters what you want to accept. So whether you've won five Stanley Cups, whether you've won three MVPs, whether you've made $20 million, you know, it's successful. But the question is, are you – Oh, you won't accept that, or do you think you could do better? And and my my view is on success is that to be extraordinary, most people avoid extraordinary because they have some success. And I think success gets in the way; it's a deterrent, and that could actually be almost a negative of resetting your focus and goals to doing much more than what success brings you, which is extraordinary. Extraordinary is your constant view of not accepting where you're at. So I think it's just really important to actually evaluate where you are and what you want to accept or not. I've had a high level of non-acceptance my whole life because when you get that high level of non-acceptance, you move to the, okay, now what am I going to do about it instead of the excuses and, and coming up with all the rhymes and reasons about why you're here and how you got here. But, it's, you know, part of it is realizing where you're at and then coming up with a high level of non-acceptance. And, and the thing you talk about with value, which is very complicated issue because you know a lot of employees are very sensitive about whether they feel valued in the workplace you're in a relationship you feel like your partner values you but one of the most important things about value is and i don't think enough people talk about it is what you can do for someone that they can't do for themselves i mean the highest and and most companies don't talk enough about it but value is again what you could do and i think your job is to try to find value and try to create value and add value so that people really value you because you're doing something for them that either they don't want to do or can't do for themselves. Yes. And when you're perpetually thinking that way, that that's a formula that will lead you, lead you to extraordinary. Most people, when they run upon an account or a piece of business that seems to be a really wealthy scenario, a big company that you get in, or if you meet a celebrity, you meet somebody rich, your first thought process is what you can get from them. Yep. My first thought process is how I can help them. Regardless of how wealthy, rich, big an account you are, I think people always can use a little help if you can focus in and not worry so much about yourself but really get absorbed in about the other person and what they need. Um, that's a great way to create a platform of value and create a relationship because ultimately I think you know wealth and being highly successful is about having great relationships. And great relationships start with creating value and being valuable to another person, being valuable to a business relationship, being valued to your spouse. So I'm constantly thinking, even though I've been married 33 years, I'm always thinking when I when I leave my house in the morning, my wife is a pain in the ass. And like everyone else, I mean, you know, it's not easy being married. Love her to death. But I'm always thinking about, you know, what does my wife need? What value can I provide for her to make her life a little bit better or easier so she keep me around for a little longer? <laughs> And, uh, and I kind of try to do that with, with the athletes I work with and with the companies I work with. It's just really, really important to constantly think about how you can add value. But most people think about what value and what they can get. And I think the better left foot, the right foot forward is to think about what value you can give. And it's a great relationship starter. It's a great way to keep relationships is, is to perpetually think about what value you can provide. And uh, I like to think that I've been doing that for my customers for a long time. Because I do value them. They're, they're everything. And uh, I want them to open up a box and get a wow. I want them to feel like they got something that's that's special, that's different, that there's some love put into it. So, you know, if you're not fanatical about what you're doing and about wanting to do it even better tomorrow, I know I'm on a little bit of a rant here, but, you know, I'll just say this and I'll, I'll, we'll continue on. But there's only two reasons why we're here on this earth. I mean, if you think about it, there's millions of species on this planet. Dogs, birds, cats, bears, elephants, fish, none of them can get better. The human species is the only species that has the ability to improve and get better. 
You're never going to wake up in the morning. Your dog will walk itself, fed itself, and is reading the paper in the corner. Goldfish in the tank is going to be doing all kinds of backflips and new strokes. We're the only ones that can get better. That's why we're here to make and you know figure out how to make this world better and how to improve it and how you could do more for you, your family, your community, your company. And the other reason why we're here, which I, I know when God gives us these challenges like this virus and all these other things, like we're here to help each other. Yep. You know, God doesn't give us always the solutions, but you see when we collaborate, even with this virus, the fact that we have a vaccine such a quick pace is because of collaboration, because of everybody coming together. And it's unfortunate that you have to have adverse conditions to get everybody to realize it. But it's really one of the most important, if not the most important things that we all got to remember is that we're here for each other. We're here for our family critically, our community, not just to fill up our pockets and make a shitload of money. Although there's nothing wrong with that. Like I, I like doing the money grab from time to time. And I like making money and living because I've worked hard and living well. But at the end, I know that, you know, I got to improve. I got to get better. And when I don't want to do that, I'm going to check out. I'm going to go home. I'm going to stay home because I've lost my real reason for being here. So, if you're listening to this and you're not thinking about really improving in some way or helping in some way, you may be down because of the virus. You know, if you're down, you're not feeling good. You've been, you've been, you know, maybe your industry is taking a huge hit, which I feel horrible about people that are out of work. I know it sounds crazy, but figure out a way to go and stop and help somebody, you know, do whatever you can to help someone to do something to make someone else feel better, feel good. And then, um, Hopefully this too shall pass and, and there'll, there'll be something bigger and better around the corner. So, you know, I have a real strong feeling about success. And the reason is my, when I grew up, my mother was always like success. I mean, it's common. I mean, I think it's good if you want to be successful, but you have the ability to be extraordinary. So um, I never wanted to be successful. I, I always wanted to figure out that I was going to be able to do something to be the best at it. I wasn't sure what that was going to be, but, and I'm still not, there yet i still feel like i could do a lot better work in the industry that i picked and, and put my mark on it so um you know it's funny i was i was i was at a fishing tournament i was roommates with this uh, coach mike keenan who won the 94 cup and he said to me he goes brandy you know, one of the hardest things is not setting goals and accomplishing them it's setting goals accomplishing them and immediately resetting yep you know most people you know you set a goal you accomplish it and you hear these I'm good, which is the words that scare the hell out of me because it's just, you know, I immediately reset. And uh, when you look at the great ones, it's funny. I, like I was thinking of Jordan when I was watching his uh, documentary. Yeah. As soon as he won that first championship, he's like, this was good, but I got to get another. You know, Kobe, no matter what he did, he had, he had to beat the next thing. And, and, you know, the great ones always want more to do more. They're grateful. For, for what they've accomplished. And you see like large amounts of gratitude, which is so important to be grateful for what you just did or what you have. It's not a, it's not a never be satisfied thing. It's just, you know, you could do more. So you, it, it's, you know, there has to be gratitude mixed into all this to move ahead and want more. You have to be grateful for what you have, whether it be so little or not a lot or not enough, you still have to find gratitude for what you have. And given the fact that we're, if we're born in this country, and we're born to the human race. It's a pretty good start right away. You know, the fact that we can be better, do more living in this. It's, it's a pretty incredible scenario, especially living in the United States when you think about it. So I, I'm grateful. <laughs> uh, I'm still trying to do more, though, but no. just my two cents on it. Was I supposed to go that long? I'm sorry. I was a little no, bit well, you know, you can because we uh, it's it's completely riffing <laughs> anyways. But you bring up some really great points that I wanted to touch up on, which was um, not accepting where you are. And I know sometimes people hear that. I'm like, what? What do you mean? And like we're to your point, And I, it's been one of my philosophies forever. It, we're here to grow and we're here of service. As you also said, we're here to grow. We're here of service um, on the here. We're here to grow. Yeah, I got up to today. But if I woke up and I have a pulse, my work isn't done yet. And if I'm here to be extraordinary, which we all are, I have to get up and push the boundaries of that level of work and keep going further and further and further and further. And and I think that sometimes I, I love like when people say when I retire, when they use that, I have always laughed. I did a post about it. I'm like, retire from what exactly? And I get it. I get it that there was a whole other 
way of being within business and work and all that stuff and you get to a certain age i i don't i i just don't subscribe to that philosophy my father i don't think i don't think you work your tail off like i don't think tom brady has worked his tail off to be the greatest quarterback maybe of all time so that one day he could retire right it'll always be something yeah. that he expands yeah, you know, on. that's why like people have like why doesn't an athlete retire i'm like you think that athlete's put his life work into trying to be the best of what he does so one day he could just retire. It's the game. You you're deeply in love. You you got to. It's not that you love what you do. You're deeply in love with what you're doing, and you got to want to be a. You got to want to like help people legally, than want to be a lawyer. You got to want to help people get better than be a doctor. You got to want to play hockey and, and and get on that ice and play the sport more than even being a hockey player. Like, and I think people forget that. Like, if you're doing something that you're hoping your goal is to get to the end so you can retire, you really need, you really need to get a walk around the block and really think about what, you know, what you're doing and why you're here, because you're probably wasting a lot of time. Um, but there are some opportunities and there are some jobs that are extremely necessary. I love my post office worker, you know, he comes, he's diligent, rings my bell and there's something important. He's the best post office person I've ever had. Love him. I don't, I critical person to, you know, to what I'm doing we get a lot of packages delivered, so it's it doesn't really matter what you do. I mean, the, you can find importance and be the best at what you yes. do, and and push the envelope and look to change it to make it better, which is kind of my thought process. Which is sometimes you know I overdo it, and then you know you got to keep trying to keep you know somewhat of a check. I don't like to use the word work life balance because that's bullshit. Uh, we, you know, I my, mean, my literally. My, oh, I'm gonna leave right now. I mean, I'm just I just cut 14 deals so let me go home because uh i no but you got to respect life you know you got to make sure that one of the things i've learned the hard way is like you know your health obviously your family you know you don't want to go home and be a, you know if you ask your kids to rate you on one to ten they say you're like a six or a seven i mean that that's depressing um so you know that's one of the things i talk about living on purpose like you know you know i, I definitely had to improve on being a better parent being a better spouse being a better friend I wasn't going to, doesn't still negate the fact that sometimes I get on a two, three week run, I'm working like crazy, but I do remember the importance of getting home for dinner or get, or doing the little things and remembering that my friend is struggling and maybe I can't make as much money today because I got to go see my friend and help them through. And that's the different brand. And then maybe 20 years ago where I would just, you know, so focused, so singular focused. And I think that that's a mistake, you know, because you don't want to, be singularly successful you know you want to be extraordinary one thing you want to be an extraordinary person as an overall and part of that comes from your health and your fitness and your connection with your family and it's hard it's you know it's, it's a lot of work you know it takes it takes a lot of work to to do all those things and keep it on track but i will say it's doable you know if you have a good strategy and plan well you know i i realize i i hear you i mean 20 year ago version of matt was singularly focused and chasing after one goal and it was probably more financial not probably um and i got to a place where my health my relationships my partnership my friendships my finances my body my food my nutrition my everything all at once requires me to be actively present understanding inquisitive and executing it and that. that takes time so i stopped focusing singularly in one area and started building in all the areas that encompass our body of work while we are here now does that sometimes slow a couple of things down maybe but it's definitely a much more lived life and i love when you said um you know work-life balance is bullshit literally the podcast before we actually said the exact same thing that it's <laughs> it's, it's that it, it is bullshit because it's not a yeah. It, you don't clock in at one time and then you just work and then afterwards you're on the outside hours your your life this is the the life our lives in totality and how we are conducting ourselves daily yeah. um, in all areas of our life work health relationships everything I mean I don't think your wife wants you you know if you're on a roll and you're really consumed with something that's that's important to you I don't think your wife's like you know you should really be home right now. But, you know, if that's happening over a two year period and you haven't seen her, you know, you're basically doing that night in, night out. And, hey, you know, that's that's, you know, it's going to be questionable. But, you know, one of the things I ask people all the time is like most people think that their goal is to do well and then they're going to do good. 
Mm-hmm. And we just get through this one couple months. Then I'm going to go on a diet. You know, it's great. I'm going to go on a diet Monday. Right. <laughs> I'm going to go on a diet today. Right. But at this the minute. end of the day, I think that most people want to do well. And then, then after they do well, they're going to do good. Like, let me just, you know, make a bunch of this money. Then I'm going to give some money to charity. But it's, it's just complete opposite. And life can be really tricky at times, but it's about doing as much good as you can. Doing good will lead you to doing well. Like if you take great care of yourself, yeah. you're healthy, you sleep well, you eat well, you're going to do so much more at work. You're going to be able to have more clarity. You're going to do better. Um, and by the way, you know, helping people, I, I think I see so many older people now, like they wait till the end and that's when they start donating money to charity. And I'm like, wow, man, you miss the joy. Like the joy of helping, like I see really incredibly wealthy people at the end donating all their money. I just wonder, like, why wouldn't you have done that throughout your life? Um, you know, helping people is not a burden. It's really a, an opportunity that will lead you to share joy. And and doing it, it, and when you do it with like no, and this is something I really learned from Mariana Rivera, but like doing it with no reciprocation, mm-hmm. not looking for any kind of uh medals or name and lights like you know i do a bunch of things to promote collectible exchange to be part of the community and i gotta have my name out there and i give because i i I want people to think i'm a good company i do nice things but when you the real giving for me is you know we're able to do a bunch of things and help people with that don't expect it that just need the help and then you know there's nothing that ever going to be able to give me back or do back and i'm fine with it but there's tremendous joy in knowing that and when until you try it because i didn't get it until one day mariana just killed me because i was kind of bragging about this donation and this charity i was helping and we got into a really long dissertation about you know whether you know when you do good the really good feeling about it is just knowing in your heart and your soul that you've done good that you don't need the props and all the Mm. pats on the back and the lights and then i I tried it you know and it's just phenomenal um and i highly recommend it for people out there to when people do come to you is not to be so judgmental about, you know, wanting to help. I think sometimes you get into judgmental. Does this person really need help? Is this charity? If people need help then help, you know, you know, give to give and you'd be surprised at the joy you'll get from it. And uh, it's one of the things I talked about in my last book. Um, you know, living on purpose is about faith, fitness and fortune. And uh, well, those are the three things I thought would be most popular because everybody wants to get close to God. So I figured, well, the only way you get close to God is you got to die. But I knew it would be a catchy <laughs> thing on the cover of my book. And then, you know, they want to lose weight. That's another catchy book. And I figured if you cut off your arm, you could lose weight. But I don't think anybody wants to do that. There's no really lose weight scheme that's out there. I don't care what anybody says. You know, you got you to gotta change, you know, your mindset about how you're going to eat and come up with a strategy. And then... Um, you know, the only way you can really get rich quick is if you have a rich, rich relative that dies and leaves you in their <laughs> will, or maybe you buy a lottery ticket. So there is no rich, there's no overnight rich, get rich quick scheme. I haven't met anybody that hasn't, that's done anything extraordinarily uh, financially that hasn't really worked really hard to do it. So that's kind of the, the my mindset on the book is, is the strategies and really all three of my books, just the strategies of, you know, and particularly now I don't tell you what to do. I just showed you I was just an idiot, you know, thinking I knew what I knew and then what I learned about how to do it better. So it's always easy to watch somebody else fail. Like when I go and speak, people always want to know, what's your biggest failures? Where did you screw up? And pick a I'm decade. Like, oh, boy. How much time do you have? <laughs> yeah. Pick a decade. You know, so, you know, that's what the third book was. Is I had gotten a review on my You Gotta Have Balls book. And the guy says, how perfect everything was for you, Steiner. I know everything's worked out. And it was, listen, the, the Balls book was you know, really transparent and true, but I did neglect to put some of the, you know, the slips and falls and breaks. So I was kind of, I know it's just one review, but I was like, you know, he's probably right. I wasn't as transparent about some of the problems. Mm-hmm. Um, my family wasn't too happy about the, the, uh, you know, the transparency because I did tell some stories about figuring out how to be a better dad and just being, how to be a better ma- employer, how to be a better manager, how to handle my employees better. Like, there's just so many things to learn. And I was more transparent about the screw ups and, and talking about not only that I screwed up, but then what I did to fix it and where I went to go and learn how to fix it, which is, I don't think there's any problem that any of us have where there's not a real good solution. Uh, that's that we're, none of us are experiencing anything that difficult here that many, many other people haven't experienced. It's just a question of communicating and going to look for those answers. Well, that, that right there, um, 
that there's not any, <laughs> no, right there, that, that there's not any problem that we can't solve, I think is so, so important because getting into an act of solving puts you into an act of um, doing. And in an act of doing, you start getting signals on what to do next. It's action. And I think that when people are left alone too much, just think about things versus being like, okay, I get it. This yeah. is how you're feeling in this moment, whether it's yourself or with your clients. Especially, I've done this with my clients countless times. I'm like, let's work on, let's let's digest what's happening here, and then let's now focus on what would be a viable next step to solve it. It in it instantly, whether yourself or with clients or with business, injects you right into a next step. And the busier you are kept with intention and intentional next steps, the closer you are to. Well, one, the calmer you actually start to feel inside because I feel that really what makes people panic or or, or fearful or, you know, just uh, stay stuck is because they're staying in a motion of, um, of just thinking about it versus like, no, just get into an act of doing it. And then you get a signal like, well, what if it doesn't work? I'm like, there's a lot of things that don't work. I call them signals. I, if I go right and the door is closed, all right, I'll go back to the left. <laughs> you, know, you just kind of, but you got to listen to the signals because, yeah, yeah. And, and then if you don't listen to the signals, the good Lord will come down and he, you know, they, they, they may yes. not be as polite about blowing you up uh, to get you to see the light. That, that is the truth. Trying to show you. But you know, one of the things I've learned also is that we all, we all, we all overplay the losses and the negative and underplay the positives and the good. That's why gratitude and having faith is so important. Why I wrote about it in the book is because, unfortunately, the highest level of faith is believing in something that pretty much you can't see. Mm -hmm. But you know it when you put out the good and you're doing the best you can, that the right thing will come through eventually. So faith is such an important ingredient. But the other thing is not to be too hard on yourself because yes. we all view the hardships and, and failures a lot harder internally than most people externally are looking at us. So I think it's really important that you kind of try to balance that out. I, I don't take losses lightly. You know, I'm a pretty competitive guy, but I've learned to realize that it's, you know, losing is not the opposite of winning. It's a huge part of winning. If you're going to expect to win on a large level and win often, you have to expect that there's going to be some losing that comes along the way. And you got to learn to not be necessarily a gracious loser, but a, a loser that wants to, observe and step outside yourself to see yourself to what the hell you just did so that it doesn't happen again. And I think that losing was a real problem for me. Uh, you know, when I started really starting to win a lot more, I, I, the, the losing increased too. And I think that, you know, I tell people all the time, don't be too hard on yourself. Like it's okay to fail. It's okay to make some mistakes. If you, you know, I don't, I don't think you, I always told when I was coaching little league, I always went out and, Pitcher gave up a couple runs. I said, I, did you think you were going to pitch a perfect game and a no-hitter and a shutout here in this Little League game? I said, but, you know, if you can stay focused, do all those things we worked on in practice, I think this team can come through and probably score more runs than the other team. And I think that's kind of how you got to look at life, too. Like, you know, you don't want to keep making the same mistakes over. But I don't think we're going to be pitch, pitching ourselves a perfect life here without making some dumbass mistakes. <laughs> at least I know. I mean, I've got a pretty good, good, good nice long list of stupidity and mistakes that I've made. And, uh, you know, I'm just, I'm more focused on not doing that same mistake again. Well, I, and I think it, it leads back into like, if we're here to grow and if, um, in anything that we choose to do mastery of that thing is how we get to extraordinary. Well then, yeah, I'm not going to have a perfect game at times because I need to constantly be humble enough to watch the tapes of my life or in this case a sport and be like, ah, here's how I can prove it. Here's how I can prove it. Here's how I can prove it. And same like when you were even talking about like with customers, like, ah, like what was your experience like? I'd love to get your feedback. I'd love to know how I can make it better. You know, and then obviously we, we, we have to pivot and adjust because, you know, <laughs> they don't always know everything that they need. Sometimes they're coming at it from emotional, but you, you constantly want to know the, um, from a customer standpoint, hey, like, um, I, I noticed that when you're very straightforward and you're very honest with them, you say, listen, I'm, I'm trying to do this. Um, everybody seems to like this. What do you think was missing? Or is there anything that, you know, you'd like to have added? Like, no, you know what? Oh, well, I didn't even need all these other things. Like, interesting. So I can actually reduce some of the things that we were doing that may be a distraction and I can actually make it even more valuable to you from listening to you and removing things that may not even be needed. They go, yeah, pretty much. 
And they love everybody has this idea of perfect that they like, you know, it has to be perfect with the customer. I'm like, it really doesn't. I, I can't tell people enough that I'm like, you can literally muck up and tell the client, tell the customer, the client, like, hey, like, you know, um, we just implemented this new piece of software and I see that it sent out the the wrong thing. I just wanted to make sure that you got the right thing. Is that okay with you? They love you for being transparent and honest. They're like, wow, yeah, I, I didn't even notice. You're like, well, I just want to make sure that you got that and that it's taken care I of. Think, I think to me, perfect is, you know, pop. I use the word pop. Plus, you have to progress on process. Mm. Nobody's, there is no perfection. Right. Uh, not that I know. But, you know, you want to, when you see somebody who's done something on a high level, you don't really want to know about the high level. You want to know about their process yep. and the things you can do to get better. And I say pop progress on process is so important. And that is what will lead you to happiness too, because yes. your employee will come and say, I'm not happy. I'm like, listen, I, I don't promise you happiness, but my job as an employer, I would like to think is to challenge you to get you to grow, to get you more responsibility. Those are the things that lead, to employee happiness is when you're even with your relationship with your spouse or you want things to grow. You want those relationships to be challenging. You want to be learning from those relationships. And that's how you keep relationships and, and, and stuff like that growing and happy. You know, I always say when you're ripe, you're rotten. And you got to stay away from ripe. You know, so I think it's really important that you pop. You really have to look at your process. Like if you want to make more money, just asking for more money is, is ridiculous. It doesn't make sense. Like you, you need to think about how you can be more valuable and how you could do more in a day so that it makes sense for somebody to pay you more. And that's your process. Maybe there's something you could do faster. Maybe it's something you could do less of, another thing you could do more of. I always say like in every employee review I do at, at this point, nothing I've learned along the way is, Getting into all the stuff, that's the stuff you should be talking to employees about a day to day. I only talk about two things when I talk to an employee in a review. Here's what I love that I really want you to do more of. You kick ass at this area. You need to do more of this. I don't know if I have time. And by the way, this is what I don't like. You need to do less of this. <laughs> that's my review. Yep. You know what I mean? And, and, and I think one of the common, common denominators with most employees and most people I talk to is time management, you know, you know, you kill yourself all day, you're working hard all day, you know, you wake up in the morning and you're not sure how the hell you're going to do everything that you need to do. You go to sleep at night and you now you're thinking about all the shit you didn't do and how you're disappointed yourself or disappointed other people. And consequently, you start beating yourself down. You know, you didn't meet up to your expectation of all the shit you had to do. You weren't efficient. You're not good enough to do all the stuff you said to yourself you were going to do. So how you prioritize, I call it my MVP list, your most valuable priorities, you know, how you prioritize what's important, who's important, and doing what's important for who's important is going to dictate your mindset and how you feel. Because nobody wants to wake up in the morning and feel like, oh, my God, I got all this news. No way I'm going to do it. Then you go to bed at night, you feel like a failure yep. because you didn't do it. So how you set yourself up to succeed and you know, your most valuable priority list is critical but the other list that I highly urge everyone out there to do is your not-to-do list. The people you must stay away from that are going to suck you dry, take up your time, that you know who they are. They're usually the worst employees. They're usually friends that you should have defriended many years ago, that they're two hours on the phone. They don't even want to help themselves because they're asking you for help. You know who they are. And those are the things and people that end up ultimately taken away from your MVP list. So the best way to get your MVP list great is to really tighten up your not-to-do list because it's only a couple little things that happen in a day that can really throw you off track. And before you know it, your MVP list went to shit. And I do think it's a big part of it because when you go to bed, you want to feel good. You want to feel like you, you got accomplished a lot of the things you wanted to do. You do want to make sure you have enough time to grow and go. And it's amazing how many times these little things that you don't even realize until you start really tracking them uh, detour you, and then you end up to mediocrity as opposed to going to, you know, to greatness and extraordinary. So a lot of the ability to go to extraordinary, and I think you said it earlier, is all within our grasp. And it, a lot of it is your mental mindset, which I'm sure everyone listening has heard this on your uh, podcast many times before. The question is, how do you fix it? Yes. And you fix it by making a list of the most important things and making a list of things that you got to stay away from 
are two very nice little tools to kind of maybe get you on a little bit of a more expressed track to becoming that extraordinary person you want to be. Uh, what I love about that is, and, and this audience knows, I drill them with lists all the time. Uh, and one one was a needs list. But what I love about the most valuable priority and the not to do list. Um, and when people, whenever you, whenever I've asked somebody, like, well, what do you want? Like, where do you need to prioritize your time? What are your needs? And they go, well, you know, I'm, I'm. Sometimes they know, like, oh, it's all up here. I'm like, first of all, you need to write it down. That's number one. Number two. I'm like, you need to get very clear on that. And they're like, well, I do feel a little unclear. I'm like, perfect. What don't you want in your life? That will help you dictate what you do. So you were spot on when you, I, and I never called it a not to do list. I just would say, hey, figure out what you don't want. I think that's exactly. it's, it's, it's perfect what you just said. Uh, you know, who takes up your time that you wouldn't want it to? Who's, you know, what environments are not good for you? Where is there toxicity? Where is there people pulling you off of your, your game of life? And, um, and just, you know, energetically training you. Um, and what are things that you just, you know, don't want in your life? And then, but I always urge people like, what do you want? What do you really want? You ever ask somebody what they want and it looks like a deer in headlights? And I get it. I get it because more often than not, that's not something that gets asked as often and it should. But I love asking people like, what do you want? Like, what do you really want? Like, oh, well, you know, uh, and I'm like, right? I'm like, why are you not energetically? Not more, easy. More and, and, yeah. That answer is not an easy answer. Right. Not at all. But, but I wouldn't, and I love that. That's a great question that you should ask yourself individually, but having somebody else ask you, you should be asking yourself that question Always. pretty often. <laughs> you know I mean? It's such an important question. You know, what do you want? And most importantly, whenever you decide to figure out what you want, you got to make sure you also remind yourself that you deserve it. You know, yes. you're telling yourself that you deserve the best. My mother always said, if not you, then who? That was my, my mother's favorite line was you got to have balls. And that's why I dedicated that book to her. And it's a lot of the lessons that she taught me. It's really not a sports book. You got to have balls. It's, it's all the shit my mother taught me that I made a ton of money off of. And one of our favorite lines, if not you, then who? Yeah. And it's about having balls, about being resilient. It's about having a fight, not giving up and, and not taking no for an answer, not even taking yes for an answer. It's like, forget about it. Who cares what everybody else thinks? It's about right. what you think and how far you want to take it. The hell does that person know? You know, it's like, and, and, and she had a lot of balls for, you know, especially a woman back then in the 60s, 70s, running businesses and showing me how businesses uh, could be run and why people would come up short. So, you know, knowing what you want is, is, is a key thing, making sure you know you deserve it, because if not you, then who? Um, I, I never would fear, you know, some of the crazy stuff that I've done. I mean, I had a learning disability. I got almost a zero on my. SATs. I was just telling somebody I had 760 of my combined SATs and, you know, I've written three books. I had to take freshman English twice in Syracuse. And, and I, I've had a radio show for multiple years, TV show for 10 years. I mean, it, it, I love when people keep telling me about all the shit that I'm not supposed to do because some knucklehead came up with a test and he thinks that's the reason why someone should go to one school over another. I put myself up against any Ivy Leaguer. And by the way, like, and I have nothing against the Ivy Leagues. Like, you know, my wife is an Ivy Leaguer, you know, and and I, I give him a lot of credit. My 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 older son is really, really bright and is an Ivy League kind of, you know, it's, it, it's cool. But that's mastering the art of doing well in school. It doesn't yeah. mean you're mastering the art of life. Yeah. And I think that sometimes when, you, when you're struggling with a particular area that's been set up, which I'm not going to go crazy on the whole school system, which <laughs> I feel I didn't fail school. School failed me but I still managed to work through it. I, I think that, you know, you can't let that kind of stuff uh, happen in your past be a deterrent as far as setting up the way you feel about your future. And um, I think that, you know, that we're all here and all have the ability to find our true self. Like we all have the ability to figure out why we're here and what we're going to do. And going back to what I said at the beginning, I hope it includes getting better, being better and helping others. You know, if you want to fill yourself, forget yourself. So that's kind of like one of my favorite lines. And I think that, you know, I'm on a, I'm on a reset mode. I mean, I just started a new company. It's not easy, you know, a year and a half ago. As a matter of fact, it's really hard. So I'm in the same boat as a lot of 20 something year olds and kids coming out of school. I mean, I'm just piecing this stuff together. I have a little more experience, obviously, but it's not easy. It's tough. I mean, life is hard and business is hard. And that's a very important thing. No matter how positive your mindset is and how optimistic you are, I think it's just really important as you grow up and move into this world of adultery, being an adult rather, 
and being a, a business person that it's really important to realize how hard life is so that when you get into these difficult situations, you're prepared for the difficulty. It doesn't shock you. Oh, my God, you know how hard this is. Yeah, but you knew that going in. You don't think you're going to get into this incredibly niche business, be the best of the best, and somebody's going to let you just skate right in there. You're going to have to fight some battles, man. You're going to have to squash some heads. You're going to have to, you know, you're going to have to go and it's not, listen, that kind of commitment to extraordinary is not convenient. I would say commitment is not convenient. It's not. And uh, the more you're prepared for the difficulties, when you approach those difficulties, those difficulties become a lot easier to deal with and solve. Uh, because life is difficult. Business is really difficult. So, um, you know, I'm very grateful. And, and I just want to tell you one quick story that really kind of sums it up. But I was, I mean, I'm trying to figure out which which is the best story, but it just talks about my lack of uh, ability to accept is, you know, I was, it was in the 90s. And I was thinking about actually going to work for someone and, and shutting Steiner down. At the time I was with Steiner. I'm not with Steiner anymore. Obviously, I started a company, Collectible Exchange. But back then, my wife was like, I think you got to get a job. We're starting a family. And, you know, I'm on the train and I'm looking at this picture of Mark Messier, 1994, just won that Stanley Cup. He's a ranger, you know, God and amazing. And I was just trying to think how I can get an automobile and not go home and close Steiner down and keep my company open. And I see on the back page, Mark is holding the Stanley Cup. And I'm like, I bet you I know a ton of people that would buy that photo. If I could replicate it, I'm signing. It wasn't in the memorabilia business at the time. I said, I just can't take this train anymore. And there's no way I can go work for somebody else at this point. So I tracked down Mark's lawyer, his sister, brother, Count, everyone. And I cut a deal with Mark finally because I reached a point of high level of unacceptance. I was not going to accept failing at the company I had started. I wasn't going to go work for someone else. And I did not want to take this train anymore. So I took a little bit of a risk and took me about three months to create this. would end up being the beginning of my collectible company as Mark Messi as my spokesman. And I got off the goddamn train. I bought a car and I actually started making some decent enough money to give my family enough faith to think that maybe I could take this and pull it off. So sometimes you got to get your back against the wall. And we're made for the adversity like this virus. You know, you're pivoting. You should always be in a pivot mode. You yes. should always be in a get ready to change mode. You should always have a plan B mode. Even if you play the game within the game with yourself, your only best results always come when your back's against the wall. Your best results are always going to come when you have nowhere to go, nowhere to hide, nowhere to run. So put yourself in that position. When people come and say, oh, I'm pressed. I'm pressed. Am I good? That's what we're made for, to deal with pressure, to deal with the press. Because that's when we do our best work and that's when we learn the most is when we're backs against the wall. It forces us to do everything we have to do to get the best out of us and to see the potential and see the opportunities and go after it. So what I say is, why do you have to wait for something of crazy adversity to happen to put your back against the wall? Get your goddamn back against the wall on a regular basis. If not real, make it happen. I mean, can you imagine Michael Jordan going into a championship game and he's worried about Joe Dumars? Or he's worried about some other guard that somebody's talking trash and says he, that maybe he's better? Are you kidding me? That's him just playing the game, putting himself against the wall, questioning his manhood, questioning how good he is. That's the, a small little microscope of it all. But think about the business you're in, the promotion you want, and what it's going to take to get hostile to go get, take what you know you're more than capable of getting. The problem is, are you up for the challenge? You have the mental stamina. And the way to create that mental stamina, the way to create that kind of energy is to get your back against the wall because that's when we do our best work. And that's when all of our senses, that's when everything goes to the highest level and you're ready to do anything and everything. I don't want you to tell me I'm doing the best I can. I want you to tell me you're doing everything you can and then some and be ready to take feedback and, and, and take advice, whether it be from this podcast or from anyone who's willing to give it to you to give you a slight edge to maybe get where you're trying to go. But, That's the mantra of where my head's at. Like my back's against the wall. I haven't had to work a day since I'm 40. So I've had to play a lot of these games. I mean, that's, I've been fortunate enough, but if my back's against the wall, man, I'm feeling like any day they're going to take all this away from me. Well, and that, <laughs> the, but see, that's, that's how you and I think 
from an entrepreneurial, a consistent entrepreneurial perspective. I've never worked for anybody. I've always had my own thing for the last 22 years. I've always had my own thing. And, and so there's that. And so when, even when you say like, look, even during a, um, a virus situation, you should always have a pivot regardless. That's something that, you know, it's interesting when people say like, well, you know, uh, but you know, I don't see that coming. I'm like, you'll never see anything that's a surprise coming. That's the whole point. The whole point is that you always lean into just constantly doing the work and don't be, uh, don't be surprised by, um, you know, I, I once had somebody say to me, uh, she said something like people surprise me. I'm like, they never surprise me. And she's like, what do you mean? But like, what if they do something that you didn't see coming? I'm like, I always expect people to be people. <laughs> I always expect things to be well, uncertain and things, anything that, that anything can happen. So I'm always constantly moving and, and, and making things happen. So I'm prepared that mentally, physically, spiritually, you know, and financially that no matter what happens, I'll be able to make some sort of an adjustment. And if I'm not, I'll find a way. <laughs> I'll give you a good example of, uh, you know, I always say, you know, don't run from your problems, run to your problems. Lean into that's another thing that's a yep. deterrent that gets in the way of more success and extraordinary is when you let some of your problems weigh you down. In 1992, um, my bank was Citibank on Madison Avenue. And Mr. Gonzalez called me and says, Brand, we got a problem. I had to bounce two of your checks. So what? I thought I had an overdraft. He goes, well, you're over in your overdraft and you, you have no money. And, and I had to bounce. Uh, well, what ended up happening is Phil Rizzuto, Yankee uh, Hall of Famer, former shortstop, uh, his check bounced $1,500. So I go running down to the bank and said, all things, how could you bounce Phil Rizzuto's check? I mean, it's a Yankee, man, that you know, I work a lot with. And Phil was killing me, yelling at me, how you can you bounce my check? So I go down to Gonzalez and say, how can you bounce Phil's check? You can give me a break. Maybe I can come down there. I can figure out how to give you the money. He said, no, there's two checks that bounced. I saved you on one of them. I just couldn't save you on both. I said, well, if anything, don't bounce Phil's check. He goes, yeah, but the other one was Mickey Mantle. I said, well, okay, good, good idea. Not to bounce his, good idea. So I roll forward and I'm talking to Phil. And I said, Phil, you're 100% right. I screwed up. You're right. You're 100% right that you should be mad at me, but I'm going to make it up to you. And remember, uh, I spent two years everywhere I can trying to find different work, doing different things, trying to create value for Phil. And he was not a big name back then. But in 1994, the Veterans Committee decides to put Phil Rizzuto in the Hall of Fame. And I go and sit in Phil's living room, which everybody wants to represent this Hall of Famer, including me. And Phil says, you know, Brands, a lot of people want me to sign with them, but I'm going to sign with you. You know why? Because when we had a problem, you did the wrong thing. You stepped up, told me you were going to make it up to me, and you have been, and you made it right. Mm -hmm. It's never the wrong time to do the right thing. It's never the wrong time. And here I spent a couple years. I never know where I was going to go, but I told him I was going to make it up to him, and I really tried every which way to make it up to him. Here I am now, roll three. I'm in his living room, and I signed one of the most pivotal deals in my company's history because that was a very, very big deal to sign a Hall of Famer, Yankee Hall of Famer, and it opened up a million doors. So you think about if you're listening, you know, when was the last time you had a confrontation with someone or an argument? And did you really try to fix and compromise or bend? And maybe, maybe even if you weren't 100% right or wrong, maybe give the other person the benefit of the doubt. Most people sprint away. And I value relationships, you know, and I think that's really a very, very important. If you want to die wealthy, you want to die with a lot of meaningful relationships, then don't throw them away over an argument or over this or that. Put the energy in and fix them because that's another kryptonite that stops you from being extraordinary. Because if you want to die wealthy and extraordinary, it's going to be because you have a lot of extraordinary relationships. And to have extraordinary relationships means you have to get through the arguments and the fights. And it's going to come to a compromise and some honesty and some bending and some more understanding and some empathy. So here I am in this small little situation. I was only 30 at the time. So this is a very valuable lesson for me. But, you know, one of my mentors always said, you know, when you have a problem with someone, don't let it, don't let it go. Don't, don't ignore it. Attack it. Mm -hmm. Fix it. Make up for it. And I did. And it paid huge dividends. Always. I always tell people, I'm like, you know, avoiding conflict does. And they're like, what? I'm like, creates conflict. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they're like, 
huh? And I'm like, you know, when there's conflict, you could actually just lean into it and just figure it out. And with the appropriate people that are involved or yourself, if it's just you. I'm like, but avoiding it is what creates a conflict, not dealing with it. And I'm like conflict's only there because you're not dealing with it. Uh, I have a question for you since we're, we're, we're at the top of the hour. I can't believe it's been an hour. Uh, where, like, <laughs> where, where can people um, connect with you? Where can they find out more about you online and all the different things you got going on? Um, the I thing know- I loved about you right at the beginning of the conversation is like you answer every text, you answer all your, which I love that, by the way. I wish more people did that, but I do that. So like, right. you know, I, I'm over my limit on LinkedIn, but you should follow me on LinkedIn and I follow and answer all my messages. Obviously, I'm on Facebook. If you go to brandonsteiner.com, you get the personal stuff. Yep. And if you want to get a copy of the book for free, you know, go to Collectible Exchange. That's like my new company where it's kind of a form of eBay. So you can buy all kinds of extraordinary collectibles, but you can also sell your stuff. If you have stuff you want to sell or find out the value, Collectible Exchange is your is your place. It's cxstuff.com. So that's the place to go. That's amazing. And uh, yeah, I, actually, I'll be asking you uh, offline uh, at another time about that because <laughs> I do have some things. But for for buying, my pleasure and, for, to help you for buying and selling. But uh, what's that? My pleasure to help you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but uh, I really appreciate your time. Um, and I always say this to all my guests: you're welcome back anytime because it's a journey-driven podcast. Um, the journey it, th- to your exact point: the journey's never done. And like six months from now, <laughs> really three hours from now, but like three days from now, three hours from now, three years from now, like you know. Uh, but you're welcome back on anytime you want. Um, to discuss any 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 really other topics that you you know deem necessary. Well, I got a million topics. I, I mean, know. I love management. You know, I love uh, motivation, inspiration, and helping people grow because that's why we're here. And I love sharing it. And and, and I've studied management and, and leading people since my whole life since I'm a kid. And I enjoy this conversation. It's the highlight of my day. And thank you for having me. And anytime you want to attack a different aspect of the business, we, we kind of talked about a lot of general stuff in this. And hopefully this was helpful for the listeners. But, you know, anytime you want to attack a particular subject matter, from customer service to sales to entrepreneurship, we can dig a little deeper in on one of those topics specifically. I'd love to come back on. Love your show. And uh, thanks for all you, you do. Yeah, thank you, Brandon. Truly, truly appreciate having you on. And I actually already jotted down a couple of different categories. <laughs> we can go down a rabbit hole. So we'll we'll do follow up on that as well, too. And then to everybody cool. listening, you know, please check out BrandonStider.com. That'll take you to everything else. CollectibleExchange.com as well, too. Uh, and uh, and you can connect with Brandon Steiner on uh, LinkedIn. You can follow him there. Reach out to him. He's he's just like, look, guys, like I always tell you, we're, we're all here trying to be purpose driven and, and continue within our own growth. So like we're here, we're here to help like reach out. Uh, you know, I always say respect, respect the process a little bit in doing so <laughs> you know, be, be, be respectful. But um, you know, people like Brandon, as busy as he is, he's here to help. So reach out to him, follow him, learn from him, ask him some questions. Uh, I know he'd really appreciate it. And uh, so for my amazing guest, Brandon Steiner, for myself, Matt Gosman, and for us sold separately, Appreciate each and every one of you guys and all the ratings and reviews. It means a lot. You have no idea. So I'm telling you, thank you. I love you. We're out.